Hey there, and welcome to The Everyday Marksman, the podcast where it is all about tactical skills for living a more adventurous life. I'm your host, Matt Robertson, former military officer turns tech sector corporate grunt, now a shooting enthusiast, outdoorsman, father, husband, American, and your friend. I'm glad you could be here with me today because this is going to be a little bit different of an episode. You know what? I feel like I say that every week. We're trying something a little new because I'm reposting a live stream I did with my friend Ilya Koshkin, the Dark Lord of Optics, last week on his YouTube channel. So what I've done here is taken about the first 38, 40 minutes of that two-hour live stream, and I'm going to share it here for your listening pleasure. Now, the topic of the day is LPVOs and offset red dots and offset this and offset that. The gist of the conversation comes back to my interview with Jeff Gerwich in the last episode where we talked about his vision of the ideal modern rifle being an LPVO, low power variable optic with an offset miniature red dot sight. Like he is saying that's the standard. And well, Ilya wanted to talk about that a little bit. Uh, so he brought in myself as well as Jacob, the pro gun millennial. Um, both of whom are in the Everyday Marksman Discord, by the way. So be sure to sign up for our email list on the website, everydaymarksman.co, to get access to the Discord. And you can talk to all these guys uh, to your heart's content. But I will leave links to both their websites and YouTube channels, uh, respectively, in the show notes of this episode. But we had a good conversation for about 38, 40 minutes. And as these kind of panel-style informal conversations do, they, they tend to wander a little bit. And there's a lot of good topics in there. Um, now, there's going to be a part two to this conversation that's going to happen on my brand new live stream channel, which will be happening soon. We're going to bring Ilya back and talk about uh, part two of the conversation being BDC reticles versus precision reticles. And as you all might remember from Jeff Gerwich last week saying that BDC is the way to go. Well, I'm not so sure that's actually true. And I think we should have that conversation depending on the circumstances. All right, well, enough of that. I'm going to be quiet now and let you get to listening to the first half of my live stream with Ilya. I'll be back as soon as we get to that cutoff point where we switch to look into all the comments. See you then. So today, I don't have a long pre-planned speech. I do have two guests. I have uh, Matt, uh, the Everyday Marksman here, and I will add him on momentarily. And I've got uh, Jacob uh, of uh, ProGun Millennial, who is also going to uh, join me here. The topic today is going to be a sort of a discussion of uh, why people are adding offset red dot size to low power variable scopes and whether that is a better way to go or a fixed power coupled with an offset red dot sight. Uh, the reason I have these two gentlemen here is that uh, they have something to say on the subject. Jacob wrote an interesting post on his ProGun Millennial blog uh, that I'm going to make fun of profusely. I generally fully intend to put Jacob on the spot as soon as I add him onto the live cast and uh, we'll see but the plan is i'm gonna let these guys sort of state their point of view and then i will proceed trying to prove that i'm the only one who is always right all right so here is matt mr everyday marksman i think you've seen him here before yes hello again and here is jacob 
you have not seen Jacob before. Let Hello. It's a good way to arrange this. No, I don't like this. I don't like this. How about this? Oh, this is. What do you think, guys? That's good. Or you? Or you want to? Or you do you want to look slimmer? I am the only one here who wants to look slimmer. They'll show off them gains. It's going to take more than fancy camera edits to make me look slim. Uh, oh, which reminds me, Jacob. Yes. So I am going to, uh, before we go uh, with the topic of the day, I am going to put on the screen uh, the your blog called Pro Gun Millennial. Yes, sir. And uh, at the very bottom of it, as I remember correctly, there was, you had there's something there you said that I took a little bit of an issue with. Let me go find uh -oh. it. Uh oh. And I will proceed to put you on the spot. So I am looking at uh, uh, Jacob's article on this topic of today, LPVOs with offset sites. There we go. I found it. I'm going to share my screen. And you're going to have to explain this one, my friend. I already don't like this. I already feel bad. I'm anxious. Oh, I'm sweating. The, 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 that's, too, that's, uh, that's making somebody feel but too fast even by my standards. All right, published by Sunshine Shooter. Not all gun owners are old, fat, white guys. So, as a representative of old, fat, guy, old, fat white guys, what do you have to say for yourself? Hold on. Uh, not all gun owners are old, fat, white guys. Not all gun owners care about any of So, now, Just <clears> the first <throat> phrase. What's the problem with old, fat, white guys? I'm an old, fat, white guy. I'm not saying that all gun owners are. I'm just saying a lot of them are. No, um, whenever I was putting this, uh, when, I was, when I was writing You that, don't have to explain yourself. There's nothing wrong with what you said. I just right. noticed it earlier today, and I figured I'm going to start poking fun of you. So yeah, comes out of the gate for this early on. You did. You did. Made me feel bad. Excellent. So my purpose for today is accomplished. I can go. I, I can go. Cool. All right. Uh, one more thing before we get on to the main topic uh, of the conversation. Uh, my wife is in Israel for two weeks. So every once in a while, I will need to pick out and make sure my kids are not trying to explode Albuquerque or something like that. Uh, nice. So you guys will have to hold down the fort. All right. Those damn kids. Yeah, they're, they're good kids, uh, but uh, they are... I know for a fact that they're genetically related to me. That makes me extremely uneasy. Okay. All right. Without too much further bullshit, I do that. Right, for hold a few on. I do. I, I do that question. for the first few minutes to to let people kind of join. Let's see. Who wants to do the opening statement on low power variables with red dot sites, and why it's a good or bad idea? I think Jacob should start. He's he had a stronger opinion than I did. Oh, All right, article uh, about it. <clears throat> so I'm not the only one putting Jacob on the spot. Okay. <laughs> what? What? Ah, uh, gosh. What, how's the old saying go? If you don't see the idiot in the room, you are the idiot in the room. Yeah. So here's my opinion on low, low power variable optics. I like them. I think that they are a good instance where the industry has actually made a lot of improvement in the last ten years, fifteen years, something like that. I don't know, like in recent history, like we haven't made very much progress in metallic cartridges or like some in barrel steel, but not a whole lot. But like when it comes to 
low powered variable optics, the industry has really created a brand new niche of optic that didn't exist 20 years ago. And not only have they created it, but they have progressed it rapidly to a high degree. And I think, I think it's wonderful. The thing that makes an LPVO different, like, well, the thing that makes it interesting is the fact that it goes all the way from down from one X from basically a red dot up to a, now they're pretty high magnification, like an eight or a 10 power. The fact that you can go from one X all the way up to eight or 10, and then all the way back down in just as long as it takes you to come off the gun, spin the ring, get back on the gun. That's crazy. That's a, that's, that's a, that's a level of capability that just flat didn't exist 15, 20 years ago, to my knowledge. My problem is when somebody takes this wonderful optic, this wonderful concept, and then they take a red dot and they stick that on the side of it at 45 and they just crank the thing up to its max magnification and never engage the part of the scope that actually makes it interesting. It's like, if you're going to do that, just get a fixed eight, a fixed 10 or a fixed six power optic. It'll be lighter, maybe cheaper, more robust, like theoretically. And then you can have your offset red dot on the side. Like, why, why, why do we have two optics that are both really good at 1x on the same gun at the same time? That's, that's where my problem isn't even with the LPVOs. It's with the red dot on the 45. Okay. That's my thing. All right. Matt, you want to add two cents before I make him feel bad again? <laughs> all right. So the counterpoint, I think this all came about because I interviewed um, Jeff Gerwich. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, and, that gave me an idea. And then I saw Jacob's article. <laughs> so, so I interviewed Jeff Gerwich and I, I asked this because uh, this is my second time interviewing him. And this topic came up the first time and I, I didn't go after it. So I was like, I'm going to ask it this time. And he, he got what I thought was a pretty, pretty cogent answer. But the bottom line was that from his perspective, you know, he was in Iraq and Afghanistan you know, when, when VCOG was the thing and he's, he was in, in the, on the teams. He left his VCOG on 6X the entire time. And then when he needed the 1X, he just did the rifle and he trained himself instinctually to just go to 1X because that was faster than reaching up and grabbing the throw lever. So when I asked him, then why not go just to a prism scope or something like that? His answer was, well, redundancy because... If he's gonna if he's going to have the LPVO and the red dot on there, he's probably not gonna have iron sights. So that gives him two options for zero magnification uh, shooting. His primary one would be the red dot, just because it's it's faster. The secondary one would be zooming down to one X if he knew he was going into that situation where he needed the one X. But his argument was you don't always know what you're going into. Like if you know you're going into the house, sure, you can zoom it down. But in the middle of a fight, you're probably not gonna be like, oh wait zoom that one down and then, then go now at my my close distance so his was about redundancy having two ways of getting no magnification um, and i think i agree with that with some caveats but we'll get to those okay so that is a the, so jeff has a very salient point there i think um i'll add a couple of uh things to what you both of you guys said and then we'll do this after this we'll glance at the comments real quick to make sure we don't anything fall too far back behind and then move on to uh, kind of the, the next aspect of this. Uh, to what Jacob said, why not just use a fixed six, eight, 10 power scope? Uh, several reasons, um, some of them technical. 
most of the uh, AR-15 specific or intended for AR-15 rifle scopes out there are fixed power rifle scopes are prismatics. There is a funky thing with prismatics is that if you're trying to go to high magnification and have decent field of view, the prism becomes ginormous and the whole thing becomes heavier than that low power variable and it becomes big. And if you try to have a conventional rifle scope, it starts getting pr pretty long and fairly unwieldy. It's not necessarily lighter and it jives much worse with clip-ons and things like that. Now, it will, will, I mean, I am actually running this experiment now. Here is a 10 power US optics scope that I'm setting up to run with Novsec Red Dot as a comparison to an LPVO. So I think it's going to be a very interesting study. And I have two different 10 power scopes, the really fancy US optics and the $400 SWFA that's actually lighter. It's a nice scope. I'm going to set both of them up with offset red dots and do some experimentation. But fundamentally, if you're looking at this from a system level uh, point of view, by going with a fixed power scope like that, you've gained some low light. So on high magnification, it's actually going to be better. But you have not gotten back any weight you do end up working with a bulkier system. And uh, what leads to the next point is you've lost a good amount of flexibility. And here's what I mean by flexibility. Uh, Jeff Gerwich's point uh, that you might conveyed about redundancy is a huge deal generally, but we always have to kind of keep in mind that when we talk about low power variables and fighting with the gun and all that, we keep on thinking about either gun games, two gun, three gun, whatever, or we're thinking about going to Iraq. With, if all goes well, none of us here are going to go to Iraq anytime soon. Matt is out of the service. Jacob, I don't know if you served. I haven't, don't intend to. And I'm willing to put in a significant amount of time and effort to never go to Iraq uh, or Afghanistan or any of those. What is our use for low power uh, variable optic, right? And the concept of the low power variable optic sort of comes down. The original development was driven not just by 1x. 1x is a huge deal, right? So if you don't need 1x, you don't need to worry about low power variables. But the big thing is, and once again, this is one of the things that came out of, uh, was very well explained by Jeff in, in that podcast. If you guys haven't listened to it, go on Matt's website, Everyday Marksman, listen to his recent podcast with Jeff Gerwich. One of the things that Jeff was saying is that you can't prepare for every eventuality. If you prepare for a specific scenario, you're going to miss something. You're going to be hit with a scenario you were not prepared for. Low power variable scope for a fighting gun, for an AR-15, AK, whatever, is a general purpose setup. You can add stuff to it if, you, if it gives, if it makes one specific thing better. Let's say offset red dot side to make it slightly faster, whatever else. But fundamentally, of the sighting systems that we have, a variable magnification, one to six, one to eight, one to 10, something like that, high quality, low power variable scope is the best we've got right now to face a situation that you're not expecting. It's making sense? So Jeff, good. Yeah, Jeff Gerwich in, in Iraq probably set up his VCOG on six power and had his red dot and all that. And if his red dot never failed, he'd never turn down the VCOG. Keep in mind, the VCOG is also not exactly the best LPV on one power. What we have now is better and not by a small margin. But that is one particular type of the scenario. And he still had redundancy. Even if God knows scenario changed to something he did not see, he had that flexibility of being anywhere between one and six. 
I had this um, uh, post on my website not long ago trying to figure out what magnifications people use. If everybody just sits on low power and high power in the, with a low power variable scope or if intermediate magnifications are used. In my use, the way I use them, with, with a 1 to 10, I spend a lot of time on 4 and 6, sometimes 8. Good amount of time on 10, lots of time on 1. But um, I don't have to have probably continuous zoom, but the scope that's like 1 and 3 and 9 would do it for me. But I spend a lot of time on 3 power for doing a variety of things, shooting offhand when I have a thermal clip on in front of it, variety of different things. I use different magnifications, different scenarios, different situations, different things I might uh, do with a scope. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll throw into that. So I think one of my caveats here is this very much depends on the optic. So for instance, you know, my primary experience with LPVO is this one, which I ran for years, a TR24, Trichicon, fiber optic, one to four. Um, and this works really well for me, but it's only one to four. And I think in the era now where we're getting to one to eight, one to 10, like I, I only ever ran this between either one or on four, but when you have like the options up to 10, now you start seeing a lot more situations where, yeah, you may be hanging out at intermediate field, get better field of view for different situations. Um, you know, this works, but we've come a long way from this one too. I will share something else on the screen. Just to make sure that you guys know I'm not exactly talking out of my ass. This is yesterday at the shooting range, two one to tens. Athlon Air CTR on the front and Razor Gen 3 in the back. Um, my Razor Gen 3 is a pretty early version. And I've been shooting with it a lot. If I were to make a guess, of between, let's say, one power, three power, six and 10, I use 10 the list, but I do use it. And I've taken it out to a thousand yards with reasonable success uh, and all that sort of stuff. Okay. Ares is pretty new to me, but uh, my brother and I are gonna go take a rifle class with these two guns and play with them and see how it goes. Uh, yeah, so with the in, so to Matt's point, with the one to sixes, and I went and you know asked a lot of people about this. For gun games, it was either one or six. Uh, very few people ever used uh, intermediate magnifications, and unless they were also using the same scope for for let's say pig hunting or something like that. And once you put a clip on on it, most clip ons are not at least the ones that normal people can afford are not designed to be run on high magnifications and native um, scope magnification uh, for thermal clip-ons is between two and four power. Okay. All right, anything you guys wanna add or should we take a look at the comments and then move on to the next subject? Um, I will say I had a uh, LPVO for a while and when I took it to a Desert Brutality match, I spent two days, and after the first... I, I spent two days with the optic, and okay, uh, after Jacob, the first match, frozen. I, can he oh, I set there it on two and a half power, and I... Oh, oops. Okay. Um, I had a one to six from Athlon. Wonderful scope. Mm -hmm. um, I think I got the wrong reticle in it. Uh, but anyway, the point is, 
I set it to two and a half power, and it lived on two and a half power for the entire match. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot because it wasn't a real long range match, but it really showed to me the 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 what you can do with a relatively low magnification. Mm -hmm. So when somebody has like a one to six and they never really like go very far out with it, I kind of start to wonder like, does that person really have a need for that much power or do they have a one to six because they think they need all that power? Now, like a one to eight, a one to 10, you can start reaching out real far with one of those. Uh, or like you can start to make real accurate shots uh, at, even moderate distance with one of those. Mm -hmm. I just, I like LPVOs. I just think that a lot of people over apply them. I think that's probably, I mean, I agree. I think a lot of it is also that people are buying them because that's what everybody else is doing and they don't have their actual use laid out of well, how am I going to use it? So like a one to six or even a one to eight or one to 10, I can think in, you know, desert brutality, I haven't run it, but I, I read your, your write up on that one. Like what was the furthest distance for that? Uh, oh, maybe 75 yards. Right. So, so two, two and a half is actually really good because then you get the balance of speed and field of view, but like take that out to, all right, I'm going to go to a, a carbine class, which goes out to 300 in the woods. You know, you have, now you have to search, to search, you know, the behind the trees for targets that don't necessarily want to be found. Then it's really convenient to be able to spend that up and get that little extra time. Now that said, I mean, combat scenarios being what they are realistic tactics you wouldn't be poking your head out long enough to like oh i'm gonna find that guy back there like that's not how that's gonna work but there is there is use to that magnification that's where i totally agree that the future i feel like is in this versatility but i think to bring us back to the original question that's where i feel like that offset red dot is or even offset iron sights for that matter having that extra capability of oh damn i need to take a close shot right freaking now and go that's yeah. that's where it gets really handy um, that's a that's a that's a, that's a very fair point um over applied is an interesting argument and i can't quite decide whether i'm on board with that or not uh because on one hand a bunch of people are buying low power variables because it's trendy and because they don't know any better and uh, for you know, desert brutality, whatever else, I can make a really good case that this little uh, three power prismatic with an offset red dot sight will do everything you need to do, and it'll have less weight and bulk and all sort of stuff. If you only shoot at places like that, right? Most people who buy low power variable scopes can't tell their ass from an elbow. Which is, and now I just lost half of my audience, but uh, they really don't know what they're doing. Um, they have never taken a class. They only shoot at the range, and they go by that one to eight strike eagle or some other generally underwhelming low power variable scope, and it always sits on eight. And all they do is shoot groups from the bench at hundred yards. I've lived in California for twenty eight years, and the shooter ranges were full of these guys. On one hand, they don't need a low power variable. On the other hand, their money is subsidizing the development of really, really nice one to tens that I like to take to classes. If it wasn't for 90% of people buying cheap low power variables and not doing anything particularly interesting with them, it was if it wasn't for them, we would not have the nice stuff we have we have now. 
right? And the downside of a low power variable compared to a fixed power scope, at this stage in the game is mostly just weight and size. And for the vast majority of people who buy them, and like I said, don't do anything hugely interesting with them, uh, it's not really a downside. Makes no difference. They, do, they never shoot off hand. They never move with them. It's just fun. It's just blinking. And if that's what it is, I, I don't. I wouldn't say it's over applied, really. Right? It may not be an optimal tool for the job, but given what they're doing, this particular job can be done with almost anything. So why not a low power variable? Matt, you, uh, Matt, you're mute. I think it's like the the phrase of 2020 and 2021. You're muted. <clears throat> um, I think there's a really thing to be said there about being optimized, and I think I'm absolutely guilty of this, as evidenced by some of the stuff that's on the wall behind me, of like thinking some wild ass scenario, and I'm going to optimize for that. Like I need, I need a rifle that's going to be great for. 50 yards to 150 yards and it's going to have to have this feature in this and then it's like i'm gonna go build that why do i do that probably because i'm bored and i need to go out and train more but i think there is definitely this risk of over optimizing for one scenario and this goes back to what jeff said of versus more of a general purpose thing that's good enough at 95 percent of things you're going to face and then or i'm not good enough to worry about that last five percent anyway like if you put me if you if you hand me a, an a2 you know, a 20 inch A2, tell me to go clear a house and then hand me a market candy clear a house. I'm going to suck either way. <laughs> it's not going to work out. I don't, I'm not actually good enough to make a difference with that. But I think that's really easy to lose sight of that. And I think to come back to over optimizing, sometimes I think something that's good enough in most scenarios is going to work well. And the more important thing is what you go actually practice doing with it, to Jake's point. I wouldn't. <clears throat> Gosh. Terrible time to lose my voice. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree that like what normal people do can't be done with an LPVO. I'm just. I just have the mindset of I want like maybe. Uh -oh. oh, sorry. Okay. Technical difficulties. No light. Uh, uh, there Nope. Uh, Jacob, you are silent. Did I come back? You're, you're yes. back now. All right. Um, I don't know if I want necessarily the best, like most optimal setup, because like one thing I've noticed is the more specialized you get into one scenario, the worse you get at everything else. And that applies all the way until you're extremely specialized to the point where you can't do anything else. So I don't want like a super specialized item for something. It's just that, I don't know, maybe I'm just a natural born contrarian and I just see one to sixes, one to eights being trendy and I just like automatically hate it. That's always a possibility. So I might be completely wrong on this. You go from the program millennial to program hipster. Uh, Jacob, you, should, you uh, should not be claiming that you're completely wrong. I mean, that's what I'm here for, to claim that you're completely wrong. <laughs> Uh, all right. your thunder. Ah, shame on you. So let's argue Jacob's point then for a little bit. First, I think Jake needs to go get an OEG and tinker with that. 
Uh, I'm going to need an explanation on that. Acronym. So uh, I actually, I talked to ARMS and they're sending me their OEG. I'm going to do an article on that and using conventional scopes. There's OEGs and all that since I've uh, touched on that. Going retro. Uh, I wrote an article on uh, OEGs, uh, the guns of uh, Sante raid, uh, raid for guns and ammo a couple of years ago. So it's been kind of fun. And they do work surprisingly well if you don't have four, if you're, you know, if you're a visual system, can handle it. I did build myself a retro AR-15 with the carry handle and all that, and fixed iron sights, Matt. Uh, uh, and, uh, I, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't make myself do it. I, I was, I, did I was it. like, I'm going to do an A1 upper. No, I did flat. I did an A1 upper with fixed front sight and all this other jazz and, and carry handle and everything. But anyway, so just, put- just, the, just a good tangent. Part of me is like really wants to do that with a 12 inch SBR. But then I'm yeah. like, I'm wasting an SBR stamp on yeah. only iron sights. I don't want to do it. So I, uh, the, uh, the way the story goes, uh, Brownells has a bunch of these uh, replica parts. So I uh, wanted to build myself a retro uh, AR-15 because I like these you know, long skinny barrel type uh, guns. I think they look cool. So I figured I'm going to buy the parts and I pitched the idea to Guns and Ammo saying, okay, how about I'm going to build this AR and I write it up and I think, okay, it's going to cost me some money to buy all the parts. And then I'm going to get paid for the article. It's going to offset some of the cost, and I'll get a cool gun. I'll get to talk about it. It won't cost me that much. Uh, so the my editor there liked the idea, reached out to Brownells. They sent me everything for free. So I got paid for the article and got a free rifle. So that was, that, that was a good deal. I'm going, to, I'm going to try that for a project. Yeah, go for that. But anyway, so, uh, uh, so Jake, OEG, because I'm using an acronym. Are you yeah. familiar with, with that? Do you know what that is? Let me Google that one real quick. Oh, oh is that the... I know what that is now. That's like the red dot before it was an optic. Yeah. 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 Okay. Correct. I know what that is. Occluded eye, occluded eye gun sight, where in front of a dominant eye, it's just a red dot, but you're not actually seeing uh, the target of uh, a dominant eye. You keep both eyes open, move fast, you can actually shoot quite quickly and surprisingly accurate for as long as you're moving. The moment you stop moving, it all goes to hell in the handbasket. One of the modern ways of doing that one, I've, I've, I've tested this, um, mm-hmm. is take, an, take a modern ACOG, I mean, because Trigicon grew out of Armson, I believe that was where it got started. But take yeah. a modern ACOG, cover over the objective lens, which so is black with the glowing reticle, and do the, do the exact same thing. That's where the it doesn't whole have to be an ACOG. You can do this with anything. Yeah, with, with anything. Reticles, that's right that's where I think about it because it's really uh, bright. So I so I I do it occasionally when I have a high magnification scope. If there is a bright enough reticle, if it's dark outside, cover the objective, use it. Isn't that good to die on sight? Doesn't work there so well for me though. I found I have that I have that issue of you have my the offset pretty far. My offset's yeah. pretty far. Yeah, mine is about this big, so it's minute of plate. It's totally fine. Uh, anyhow, uh, one so one more one more uh, argument, and then uh, let's look at the comments. Uh, I keep on showing this thing. This is a primary arms micro three X prismatic. It's about three hundred fifty bucks. It's a surprisingly decent prismatic, decent radical, decent illumination. Weighs about eight ounces. I can add an offset red dot sight uh, to it, about two ounces. Um, many smaller, cheaper red dot sights from Holosan and others you can get for 200, 250 bucks. They're actually quite robust, they work well. This is about 350 with a mount. So for about 600 bucks and 10 ounces, I can have this setup. And the only thing I cannot do with this, as long as I are trained with the offset red dot sight, Compared to low power variable, the only thing I cannot do is real longer distances. I mean, I'm used to shooting with low magnifications. I can take this to about four or five hundred yards on man-sized targets, eighteen-inch plates. Uh, 
in reasonable comfort. Past that, it gets very sketchy, right? So 600 bucks, 10 ounces. And the only part of this flexibility argument I've lost is the long range. I've lost some of the redundancy, right? So I don't have one power with this. But if the reticle is bright enough, prominent enough, and if you know how to use the bin, the naming concept of the secluded icon set, I can actually go pretty fast with this with two eyes open for as long as I'm moving. But I've lost some redundancy, which if you're not going to war is not that big a deal. And I've lost the long range, which except for some comparatively small number of specialized scenarios is not a big deal either. For most people out there who just dropped two grand on a Razer Gen 3 and 600 bucks on Trigicon RMR, would it not be better to save that money, buy this, buy a simple red dot, and go take two classes? And a bunch of ammo. Ammo is overrated. You can try five. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I think that's a great setup, and I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna steal it. Should I ever go with my lightweight lightweight SBR? I, I might do something just like that. You 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 really should. So there are two of these compact ones. Uh, well, three. There is Vortex. And Burris, which I think are made by the same OAM. Primary arms is different OAM actually. OAM, I actually like this one a touch more. Um, I have a fold AR, have a folding AR in a small case. So that I'm almost done testing something else on that. And then I'm gonna set it up exactly with this, with this tiny three power, right? And uh, with a um, uh, offset red dot side. And one of the things I really want to test, I'm gonna test this with a thermal clip on because three power, works surprisingly well with most clip-ons in the market there. I've got a couple here right now. This is so short and so small that you do not need anything touching the handguard to set up a clip-on in front of this. Okay. Now, see, now, now, now you got my brain going, Ilya. I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm not just going to do an, an AR. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get a whole Brownells and I'm going to do an, one of their AR-180 in 300 black. There we go. That's the spirit. Dude. They have a shorter barrel. In 12-inch right? in SBR format. Correct. There we go. So I just uh, went hawk hunting, and one of the setups was a 300 blackout, a suppressed, a 10.5-inch barrel, uh, a little longer than blackout needs, but good enough, where I had the March shorty, because it's so short, and a Burris thermal clip-on in front of it, and everything worked great, and the whole overall length was short enough uh, to work on a SBR or AR-15 handgun. With this, it's even shorter, right? And hunting with a the thermal within 150 yards, I do not need more magnification. My variable scopes, I shot a 250-pound hog at 150 yards. The scope was sitting on three power. Guess what? Three power. There's your three power. So here's your counter argument. Here's me uh, arguing Jacob's point. Uh, Jacob, consider an apology for putting you on the spot earlier. Apology accepted. Excellent. Know your use. Uh, but it is it, 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 it is a salient point. Um, the When we talk about fixed power scopes that are more like classic ACOGS LCANs, this is, it's still a salient point. I mean, I know I love this LCAN that some years ago I think convinced Matt to buy. Yeah, right there, right behind him. Love this thing. It does not have an adjustable eyepiece. As I get old and decrepit, finish my transition, uh, a fat old white man, 
Was that the phrase, Jacob? Something like that. Uh, OFWG, old fat white yeah, guy. Old fat white guy. Uh, so my ability to use this is going to come down. I'm going to use this for things like, I love this thing. This thing is awesome. It's a, still the best fixed four power scope ever made as far as I'm concerned. Uh, all this new generation of Chinese prismatics have adjustable objectives. I can use this much longer than I can. Uh, I can continue using this stuff much longer than I can Elkan. Lighter, smaller, cheaper. Uh, for the cost, one of these, I can have three of these. You want redundancy? There's your redundancy. Right? The only way to have a reliable optical setup is to have spares. I mean, there's no other way. Everything else is just statistics. Right. All right. Anything that you guys want to add before we look at the comments for a minute? No, I've been stalling enough. Let's get to it. Um, I had one thing. <clears throat> mm -hmm. uh, Ilya, this would be a question for you. On my article I recently posted, down at the bottom, I kind of bemoaned the lack of fixed power options. But one of which I did find is by Vortex. It's their Spitfire HD Gen 2. It's a 5X prism scope. Yeah, I have one. What? Let's say I was going to do a... It's called a 1 to 5 since we're talking about a 5X scope. Mm -hmm. The the 5X... Uh, what is it again? Spitfire HD with mm -hmm. the red dot on the side of that. Or like out of 45 off of that okay would in your opinion would there be much missing range in the middle between the one and the five uh it depends on what you're looking to do right um if you're not going to use a clip-on there's going to be a little bit quite a few clip-ons out there don't like high magnification scopes looking through them you start mm. seeing pixelation on the screen and stuff like that if you're not using the clip-on it's not bad for me it's workable but not ideal because I spend a lot of time shooting offhand. And that happens to be one of the admittedly many shooting disciplines I truly suck at. And uh, high magnifications are not helpful. Up to five or so, I can shoot offhand adequately. But I tried it with a bunch of LPVOs. I can shoot offhand, or I mean, standing, slow fire standing on three power better than on five power. Because on five power, I see too much of my own shake, start compensating for it. And as I like saying, it all goes to hell in the handbasket. Okay. That's true. I think that's that's true across the board, though. Like, that could be high, like, not even low FPVOs. That could be going to something like a four to 16. Like, you're better off shooting at lower magnification if you can for that same reason. Well, so when you have a supported shooting position, it's, uh, for me at least, it's somewhat less critical. Uh, when prone or seated, when prone or bench or whatever, I tend to shoot. I do most of the precision shooting, for example, between, I don't know, around 12 to 14 power, 12 to 15. And a lot of my scopes go high up. And they go high up because I dial up and I look at the conditions and I dial back down to shoot. But if I happen to be on 18 or 12, I mean, I, I think I shoot a little bit better on 12, but it's not a big difference. Shooting offhand when I'm trying to stay within my wobble zone and all that, it's noticeable. It is right there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Then again, I know people who take a 1 to 10 scope, dial up to 10, and shoot standing, and they're totally great at it. You know, more power to them. I can't do it. I hate them. Well, I've seen them shoot, so I'm not going to say anything negative on air, just in case. <laughs> uh, 
just for self-preservation reasons. I come from many generations of highly paranoid people. That's how Jews survived in Europe. So we did this not by pissing off people who can shoot really well from far away. Uh, oh, I should probably stop talking shit about Todd Hodnett. Mm, nah, too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But anyhow, so Jacob, to answer your question, generally, no. For general purpose, ARUs, if you are okay shooting, occasionally shooting from very wobbly positions on five power, there is really no downside. It's a perfectly respectable prismatic, and it does give you more range than three. But remember, with prismatics, as you go to high magnifications, the whole thing gets bigger. This new Spitfire is not that big. But I'm really... Once the thing gets big enough and heavy enough, I might as well just get an LPVO and get that extra flexibility and all that. Fair, right. Fair enough. So I I really, I'm, I'm really drawn towards smaller prismatics because I, I do, aside from cost, uh, I do gain something. And what I gain is handling. Right. All right. Let's look comments. at it. Let's look at the comments and then we'll see where we're going. All right, now there you have it. There was the first 38 minutes or so of my live stream with Ilya from uh, last week where we we're talking about LPVOs versus red dot sites and offset irons. It was all a really good conversation. Now, we went on for about another hour after that to answer questions that the people were having in, in, the, uh, in the chat, and I definitely encourage you to go check it out. I'm going to post that video in the show notes for this episode as well as a link to the channel. But here's a question I would like you to let me know about. Drop in a comment, shoot me an email, uh, do whatever. But do you like that kind of format? And the reason I ask is, as I promised many months ago, I'm about to start doing some live streaming myself, and my very first guest is probably going to be Ilya to pick up from this conversation as we talk about BDC versus precision reticles and rifle scopes. And I'm curious about what it is that you would like to see in a live stream, or do you like this kind of roundtable conversation format? I'm really just curious. I have my thoughts, but I'm also you know, wanting to know what you think. So swing on by the website, everydaymarksman.co, and drop a comment on this post. Go ahead and so sign up for the uh, email list so I let you know when I have new stuff going up live, and I will look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, take care, and I'll see you next week.